0: Well, good morning, and I want to also say Happy Father's Day to you. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but let me just tell you that some, and maybe most, or a lot, maybe all of our teens that hit camp last week, they are fired up. They have already started chats about praying in their schools this year. You better be praying for them. Amen? Yeah, you can clap! Hey, let me let me tell you. There's a sermon coming when I'm going to show us all like how amped and pumped we get for Wisconsin stuff, like Green Bay Packers and shooting deer and the Badgers and everything else. Like, woo! But if we are not to that level and higher for Jesus, I don't know if this is a kind of church that I want to be a part of. Amen. All right, I'm ready to go this morning. Can you tell? So I, uh, a few years ago, uh, we have this thing underneath our sink. I have actually a picture of this. Um, this is, do you guys know what that is? Anybody call it out? What is that? It's a garbage disposal. It takes care of all the uh, stuff off your plate right? And it just grinds it up and sends it on. And uh, so a few years ago, this thing, it was, that was not actually ours. I don't think I just found this picture, Uh, but it looks very similar to this. Our garbage disposal stopped working. It broke. Now here's the deal. Uh, When something breaks when it has to do with plumbing or electrical stuff, I call somebody and I pay them to do it because nobody on the planet wants me near their stuff, including my own stuff, all right? And so I generally call a person. But for whatever reason, on this particular week, I was feeling exceptionally frugal. Other people, as I said last week, they would call me cheap. No, you're wrong. I'm frugal, okay? And I was, I was feeling, 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 exceptionally frugal. And so I didn't want to call anybody. So I thought, I think what I want to do is I want to try to replace this thing on my own. Now, here's the deal I have never replaced a garbage disposal before. I have never uh, tried to even look at a garbage disposal. I know it's under there. I'm like, Yep, that looks like the garbage disposal. That's as much as I have looked at a garbage disposal. That's it. I have not replaced one. I don't know what fittings I need. I don't know how messy it's going to be. I don't know what size I need to order. I don't even know the right kind to get, right? And so, but I decide that I want to do this. And so the truth is the reason I, I was hesitant, right, and why I don't usually fix these things is because I was intimidated by this thing. Because I don't know how it works, and I don't know how it connects, and you know all the th- different things, and we have the dishwasher that comes in, line comes in. All this, it, it's all mixed together, and I'm like, I don't know. The problem was that I was intimidated by this machine, this thing. I was totally intimidated by it because I'd never tried to fix it. I'd never tried to look at it. I'd never tried to get into it. I was intimidated by it. Now, here's why I bring that up. Today, for Father's Day, woohoo! we're going to talk about something that I think is really intimidating to most, if not a lot, even more than most, Christians. We're going to talk about this, something that's really intimidating because it's big and it's hard to understand, and we don't know where to start, and all the different things. This thing is intimidating. So we're going to continue our series on cross-training. What we're talking about in our series is very simply answering the question, how do you, how do I, how do we build spiritual muscle in our faith, in our life? And today we're going to talk about how do we use this... To build spiritual muscle. How do we use this to deepen our faith? How do we, do we need this, and how do we need this, and and what do we do with this? Well, if you guys like to follow along uh, in the Bible or on your Bible app uh, about God's Word and all that, then uh, go ahead and get that out. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this one story. We're going to read it all the way through, then we're going to go back and we're going to unpack it piece by piece. All right? I want you to take notice when I read this story how Jesus wins the conflict that he's in. Okay? I want you to take notice of how he wins the conflict that he's in. Matthew 4, starting with verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the Son of God, jump off, for the Scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the Scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. So this is an intense story, right? Jesus and the devil, like doing battle, battling wits, so to speak. And out of this story, here's what I want to do. I want to give you three things that we learn about Scripture, why we need Scripture, why we need to know Scripture in our lives, and what that leads us to. Three things, three reasons why we need to know Scripture that Jesus kind of illustrates through this story of his battle with Satan and tempting himself. All right. So let's go back to verses two and three. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. Jesus fasted and became very hungry. That means he did not eat for 40 days and 40 nights. Imagine that, right? 40 days and 40 nights. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So what does this tell you right away about the devil? It's very, very, there's a lot of things in there, but it's very, very clear something that the devil will always do, and he did it to Jesus. And this is important for us to know. Satan will always attack your weakest points. Every time. Satan wants to go after whatever your weakest points are. So what was Jesus' weakest point in this, in this time? Physically, he was extremely hungry, right? It's like me fasting for, you know, 40 days, and somebody walks in with a no-bake cookie. And I'm like, oh, I have one more day to go. And you're like, just, just take one bite, just so you can taste it. i like, oh, I so want to do that, Right? The devil tempts Jesus in his weakest point. And did you notice how Jesus combats the devil every single time? What does he use? He uses Scripture. He uses Scripture every single time to battle against the devil. But here it brings us to our first point. The first point is this. We need to know Scripture. We need to know this to know what our defense is. If you want defense against Satan, he is going to attack you, he is attacking you, he will attack you. And he's going to try to find your weakest points, whatever that is. So whatever you think, or you have weaknesses, and you guys know what your weaknesses are in your faith, and you guys know what your weaknesses are in terms of priorities, and I have my own weaknesses, Satan will always attack you there. And so knowing scripture will give you that defense. Now, Knowing scripture means more than just making sure you have a Bible, all right? All 20 of our teens, they had to carry a Bible around all week long. Now, they had little bags, right, that they could put everything in, their water bottle, and all that stuff, but they carried God's word around with them all the time. But here's a question that I have for you. When Jesus and the devil were doing battle, did Jesus physically have scripture with him? Did he physically have it with him? No, because they didn't make nice little dad version of Bibles like my, my wife got me several years ago for Father's Day. This was a Father's Day gift, I don't know, a long time ago, right? And I take this. This is the one I brought to camp, actually, because it fits nicely in a little bag, right? My big study Bible, I was like, I would probably have back problems this morning, right? So I was carrying that around. So, so no, Jesus didn't have that. In fact, I have a picture. We have the, you know, guys, no, we found the Dead Sea Scrolls in a cave in Israel a long, long time ago, 1947 or something like that. And so we have these scrolls, the original manuscripts, like, you know, a couple hundred years after the originals. And I want to show you a picture. This is actually what it looks like. This is the Isaiah scroll. This is just the book of Isaiah. There's 39 Old Testament books. This is just one of them. Do you know how long the Isaiah scroll is? Now, it's kind of curled up so you can't see it. It's actually, there's several layers under there. If you were to lay that thing all the way out, it's 24 feet long. One book. All written, by the way, from right to left, not left to right as we do in in Hebrew. Right? 24 feet long. Here's what I can tell you. Jesus is not walking around the wilderness, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, carrying 39 scrolls with him right? This is not what Jesus was doing. And then all of a sudden, the devil shows up, right? And the devil says, hey, let's make those stones become bread. And Jesus says, hold on, devil. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. So scripture says, hold on, let me find it. Scripture says, devil, Jesus didn't do that, did he? No, he had it here and he had it here and he had it here. I'm already way off my notes, it's okay. (laughs) Some of you can't defend yourselves against the most intense enemy you will ever face because you don't know the defense that you need and that is here. If you want to defeat the devil in your life, it starts here and it doesn't mean that you have it on the shelf and it's in your house and so your home is protected right you need to get this down you need to open up the app on your phone you version bible u version app amazing we put it up in front of you I think just about every year. If you don't have it, get it. And have the reminders. They have daily devotions. You can do all kinds of stuff, but get into God's word. It is your defense against the most evil and most vile enemy that you will ever face. If you have ever had doubt, fear, depression, that does not come from God. You understand this comes from the devil. God does not create those things. Sin creates those things, and sin is exacerbated by the devil, by Satan. If you want defense against the devil, Scripture is the way to go. And by the way, I know, let's talk about this for a minute. This is intimidating, because some of you are like, okay, great, you push on this all the time. You tell us to get into God's Word and do this, but I don't know how to do it. Like, it's huge, and you're right, it's 66 different books by 40 different authors written over the span of almost 2,000 years of history. It's not exactly the most easy book to get into, and on top of that, yay, it's not in chronological order. So starting at the beginning, like some people want to do, and read it to the back cover doesn't really work that well, to be honest it doesn't work because it's not in chronological order. They actually have grouped the books according to type, according to genre. In fact, you guys have this. uh, You have this card on there. Take a look at that. This is how the Bible is organized. You have genres or books. And I think, uh, I don't know if we have a, a graphic of that. Go ahead and put that up there. Okay. So we organize the Bible, not chronologically, but in types of books. And so you have the books of the law, the wisdom, the history, the prophecy, there's a lot of prophecy books, by the way. And that's not, by the way, that's not just telling the future. Some of it is, but some of it is simply truth-telling about who God is and about what your life is about, okay? So, it's, it's some future stuff, but it's also just prophecy another way, truth-telling. Then you have four books, the gospel books, and then you have a whole bunch of letters written by different people explaining how to follow Christ, essentially, this is how the Bible's organized. Now, now that I've given you this, does everybody feel totally better? You know exactly what to do. Everybody sat? <laughs> I know you're not. I get it. Of course not. No. You know what? Here, I want to make a suggestion. In fact, keep that card in front of you. You might want to circle something. You want to make, make some notes, whatever. But I want to give you a suggestion. If you don't read the Bible on a regular basis, and you're totally intimidated by it, and just so you know, if you are, you're probably in good company in the room because my guess is most of us in here are in that same boat. Uh, if, if there's any question I get more than anything else as a pastor, number one question as far as frequency is, how do I start reading the Bible? Where do I begin? How do I get into it? Number one question that I get most frequently. So I want to give you this suggestion And this is the suggestion I give to a lot of people. My suggestion is start with what the entire Bible is about. You know who that is? Jesus. So my suggestion is start with the first four books in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is simply what it is. The Gospels, these four books, they are simply four different people's take, their version of Jesus's birth, life, ministry, death on the cross, resurrection from the grave, and ascension to heaven. This is four people's take on what they witnessed, what they experienced, and who Jesus is. There's no greater way to start, in my opinion. Start with the four gospels. Start with what the whole Bible is about. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament points back to Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. Because it's God's expression to you of how much he loves you. Now, let me give you just a few other little pieces. Okay, you can, again, you can circle these and jot these down. If you're a brand new believer, by the way, you're going to find this. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to leave it for next week. We have an announcement about what happened at youth camp. Oh, man, I just want to say it out loud. (sighs) Sometimes as a pastor, the struggle is real, let me tell you. hard to keep secrets especially up front right but there, there's some there's some awesome stuff that happened last week guys you need to be god is on the move i pray that god gets a hold of you guys the same way he did with our teens and you teens that were in camp and all that stuff i'm so glad to see you guys this morning it's awesome because i know how tired you are because i know how uh, over 40 and how tired i am let me give you a suggestion if you're a brand new believer start with the gospel of John, the book of John. This is why. Because the book of John, all the gospels are amazing. All the books in the Bible are amazing. But the gospel of John, I love it because it tells you more about who Jesus is than focusing on what Jesus does. It talks a lot about who Jesus is and less about what Jesus says. Now, what Jesus does is awesome. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying John is a great place to start. Here's another thought. If you want to learn about why salvation is important and how to find salvation in Jesus, the book of Romans is amazing. It'll tell you about the cross, why we need the cross, why Jesus had to die on the cross. It'll tell you all about that book of Romans. It's amazing. Um, If you need encouragement, some of you just lost your dad this year. I see you you know, I lost my dad last year. If you just need encouragement, you just need something to pick you up because you need to read from some people who went through some horrible stuff and you just need to hear what they had to say about it. And it's brutal and it's real, but it's encouraging. I encourage you go to the book of Psalms. It's real. David calls God out for not doing what he wanted him to do, but he also said, but God, you're so good, and this is what you're going to do, and I believe that. It's encouraging, but it's also real. If you just need practical, wise advice for daily like li- living, like daily you know, practical stuff, um, Proverbs is amazing. Proverbs is amazing. It'll tell you why, you know, how to keep away from lies and what you need to do and focus on this and not focus on that, all those things. Uh, Proverbs is amazing. And then one last suggestion. If you like stories, start with the book of Genesis. And I would suggest go into the book of Exodus, read Genesis and then Exodus, and go right into that. And then, in my opinion, I would stop there and then I would jump into the Gospels again. (laughs) Because after that, it is, whew it is tough reading at some point you need to get into leviticus and deuteronomy and numbers and all that stuff but but i wouldn't dive in right away (laughs) i just wouldn't but genesis exodus lots of great stories the foundation of god creation all that stuff amazing all right but with all that being said in general start with jesus start with the gospels and work your way out from there and uh it'll just be amazing all right Okay, let's go on. Get back to our story. Let's go to the next verses, verses 5 through 7. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say He will order His angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the Scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. This brings us to the second point, which is this, no Scripture to know the truth. No Scripture to know the truth. Can I just say this? Our world has messed up and twisted and destroyed truth. Absolutely. Just wrecked it. There's literally, our world believes that there's literally nothing that is absolutely true anymore, and that is absolutely untrue. It is. And so we've got to ground ourselves back into truth. Let me tell you where to get your truth. Your truth should not come from Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, or any other of your choice. Uh, IG, Instagram, no, right? Is there truth in there? Sure there is. Don't get your foundational stuff from there, though. Because no matter how awesome your friends are, they're not this awesome. And by the way, seriously, I mean this completely, neither is your pastor. Don't take my word for it. I'm human. Take God's word for it. Right? Take God's word for it. I am simply human doing my best to portray what is in Here, but don't take my word for it. Always check it against Scripture. Always. Because this is your truth. This is God's truth. Now, did you notice what Satan did to Jesus? He quoted the devil. Get to this. The devil quoted Scripture to Jesus. (laughs) How ironic is that? But what does that tell you? What that tells you is the devil will use as much truth as possible, with a little bit of lie and twist in there to get you to fall. Most of what, do you realize this, most of what the devil uses, most of what Satan uses to get us to fall into temptation is actually true. He's just twisted it enough, just enough to make it enticing. Let me give you an example of this. So you guys already know this, I'm sure, but food advertisements, oh man, they have mostly truth and they have just enough lie to make it enticing. Let me give you an example. How many of you realize that when they try to sell, when companies try to sell pancakes, how do they make the pancakes not look all squishy and mashed down and soggy with the syrup? You know how they do it? They use motor oil in the advertisements. No joke. This is, I'm not making this stuff up. No joke, right? Because it looks so much richer and amazing, and it doesn't soak into the pancakes. It just pours over. How many of you just love pancakes with motor oil? Mmm, and it's good. So good. A couple hours later, it's a little rough, but man. Yeah, I'm a guy. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, I'm rolling real this morning. Or how do they make when they when they show you know images uh, of cereal? How do they make it not look soggy? Because I don't know about you, after a little while in in milk, it's soggy. Well, just use glue. <laughs> Seriously, this is like this is real stuff. It makes it look really good. You don't want to eat it, right? Or. How do they make the cake look so incredibly moist and stand up and sit on the plate just like it's supposed to? Well, they put cardboard in between the pieces. Yeah, it's pretty brilliant actually, really deceptive, right? This is exactly what the devil is doing to you. He's selling you cake with cardboard in it. He's selling you pancakes dripping in motor oil. He's serving you cereal with glue, and he knows it's going to slowly kill you, and he loves it. Know your scripture. Get into this so you know what the truth is, because Satan is really good at convincing us that this is mostly true with a little bit of twist of lies, and he's got you. So we need to know Scripture to know our defense, and we need to know Scripture to know the truth. In fact, do you guys know what this is called in the body armor of God? It's called the sword of truth, or the sword of the Spirit. It's called the sword of the Spirit, and it says, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is what it technically says in Scripture. This is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is your weapon. And a weapon, we all know, a weapon can either defend you or it can go on the offense. It can go on the attack to take out something before it takes you out. Either way, Scripture is your defense and your weapon. This is your weapon and your defense for all of life. If you're facing anything right now, this is your answer. It's alive. It's really real. It's powerful. I love what 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says about Scripture being truth. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. In other words, scripture is your foundation. Scripture is your truth. Scripture is where you have to anchor to. Scripture is inspired by God for a reason to help you defend and attack against the the attacks of the enemy which is Satan in this world. And so we've got to know Scripture to know that. All right, third point. Let's go back to our story, verses 8 through 11. Next, the devil took Jesus to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the Scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Let me ask you this question. How does the story end? Think about it. What happens at the end? The devil goes away. He has to run, he has to flee, he has to get rid, he has to get out of there. Can I tell you this? And I'm going to ask you this question, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to engage with this one, I always, you know, I, I like the engagement, that's fine if you want to, but how many of you would love to see fear go out of your life? How many of you want to see fear go out of your kids' lives? How many of you want to see selfishness and bullying go out of your kids and go out of the kids that do it to your own kids' lives? How many of you want to see that go away? How many of you want to see all of the strife and the racism and the political upheaval that we've had in the last several years, how many of you would love to see that go away? How many of you wanna see doubt go away? How many of you wanna see depression go away? How many of you wanna see addiction go away? I don't know about you, but I want to see, I want to see all of that running. Running. I want to see that. I want to see fear's backside as it leaves my life. And I want to kick it as it goes. <laughs> Out of here. You know what? I will say this. I've got to be careful because I don't want to get into some of the stuff that we're going to see next week about camp, but. One of the, probably the number one commitment that our teens made in our small groups, which was awesome, was they agreed to give up some of their screen time, which is extremely precious to them, and I get it. They agreed to give up some of their precious screen time and social media time to get in and to dig into God's word and to pray. I believe a lot of them are going to do that. I'm praying that every one of them does that. But they said that over and over and over again. Every time I asked my guys in their circle, those eight guys that I had, actually we had nine because we had one from another church. Nine guys, they said, I believe I I think God is telling me to give up some time and, and get and read read the Bible. I think we need a lot of adults to do that too. So what's the third reason why we need Scripture? This one's not going to be as exciting to you, but it's so important. We need to know Scripture so that we know our place. Jesus, why did the devil run from Jesus? You know why? It's really simple. It's because Jesus had authority over Satan. The devil could not stay there. He was not, even if the devil wanted to, and I'm sure the devil wanted to, I'm sure he wanted to stay and tempt Jesus because if he gets Jesus, he gets everybody. And so he wanted to stay, but he couldn't stay. Why? Because Jesus said, get out of here. And the devil had to run. Jesus has authority over the devil. And you know what scripture does for you? Scripture reminds you of two things, and these are very, very important. Number one, it reminds you of your place. It reminds you that you are subservient. You rank below God. I rank below God. You rank below God. We all rank below God. You, Newsflash, you're not God, right? Sometimes people walk into the room and they act like they're God. I saw a couple of teenagers this last week that walked into the room acting like they were God. And I saw them, and I was like, oh boy, here we go. Scripture reminds us very well and very powerfully, we are not God, but here's something else that it's really, really important that it does. It also will give you the opportunity to make sure that even though you rank below God, you rank above Satan. You rank below God, and that's good, but you need to rank above Satan. And Scripture does that for you. This is your weapon. You know, when we get a self-inflated view of our position, then all of a sudden we'll start doing things and acting in certain ways that are way outside of our, you know, as we say, it's, that's, that's above my pay grade, as we say. How many of you remember those old Holiday Inn Express commercials where they did that? And they're like, there's people in these situations where they don't have any authority, but they act like they have authority. And they're like, at the end, they're like, well, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. You guys want to see one? This one happens at a nuclear power plant. Take a look. Close the flow channels. Activate the hydrogen recombiners. Meltdown. Do it. Actually, I'm with the tour group, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Close the flow channels. (laughs) Awesome, right? Awesome. Not awesome when we do that to God, though. Not awesome when we do that to God. God, I got this. (laughs) I'm good. I totally know what I'm doing. And God says, no, no, you don't. I I created you. (laughs) Trust me, I know. Sometimes when we get mixed up in our authority, we don't realize that this is above your opinion. Oh, I know we don't like that. I know we don't. This is above your voting political platform. If you vote without considering this, I don't care what party you're a part of. You're a (laughs) Republican. Way to go. Awesome. The Republican Party's not scripture. You're a Democrat. Way to go. You're so cool. Not scripture. You're an independent. Wow. Not scripture. You're another political party in another country. Awesome. Not scripture. You think you got it figured out on identity, on race, on political issues, on how we should vote, on that? Not scripture. Your opinion ranks below this. It sits here. So does mine, by the way. Just because I'm kind of coming strong right now doesn't mean my opinion doesn't sit here either. It does. In fact, I want to read for you something that I've never read before at our church it's our official statement, our church's official statement about the Bible. I think it's important that we hear this. Listen to our official statement about God's Word. It's going to be in front of you as I read it. We believe that the books of the Old and New Testaments constitute the Holy Scriptures. They are the inspired and infallibly written Word of God, fully inerrant, which means no errors, in their original manuscripts, and superior, catch that, to all human authority, including opinions, and have been transmitted to the present without corruption of any essential doctrine. That's fairly blunt. All of that is saying very simply, your opinion on life and this world ranks here. But sometimes we like to put it here. Right? We like to, yeah, but it's a political year, so I'd like to vote how I want to. Everything should filter through Scripture, through truth. Let me illustrate this one last way, and I'll land the plane on this. So I've shared this story, I don't know, a few years ago. It, uh, it's a story that's found in Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So that's where I got this story from. It's been shared millions of times all over the internet, so you've probably heard this story as well. But it aptly describes what we're talking about when it comes to Scripture and authority. So Stephen Covey tells this story about how there, there was a Navy uh, doing maneuvers out in the ocean, and it was dark, it was stormy, it was major waves, all this stuff, and so it was really hard to see. And so the captain uh, of the ship was on the bridge with uh, one of the sailors, right? And, and the sailor is out there, and his job is to look for bearings, which means signals of anything out on the waves in front of them to make sure that they're safe. And so he calls out, and he says, bearing straight ahead, and the captain says, is it steady or is it moving? And he says, steady, which means that these two are on a collision course, and somebody has to change course. And so the captain says, send this signal. You understand that they're flashing lights, right? They're sending the signal by flashing lights. It's Morse code, and they can just see the two lights, and so that's how they're communicating. And so the captain says, send this signal. Please advise, we are on a collision course, change 20 degrees. The Morse code reply came back, Please advise, you change your course 20 degrees. Well, the captain wasn't excited about that, because he's a captain. He's used to getting his own way. And so he says, send this reply. I'm a captain. Change your course 20 degrees. A little bit more of a bite. If you can have a bite through Morse code, I don't know, right? And so they send this signal. I'm a captain. Change your course 20 degrees. And the the reply came back. I'm a sailor. Just second class. Please advise. Change your course 20 degrees. Now the captain is ticked. Because he is not getting his way, he is not having his authority, his authority is being questioned, and now he is angry. And so he angrily says, send this reply, I'm a battleship, change your course, now 20 degrees. Back came the reply, it was simple, I'm a lighthouse. That's it. Guess who changed course? (laughs) The battleship captain adjusted his course. You know what the lighthouse is in this story, don't you? It's God and it's his word. There are a lot of Christians who are trying to get God to change course. And I'm here to tell you that God is unshakable. God is unmovable. God is resolute. God is steady. God is faithful. God is perfect. God cannot be moved even if God wanted to move because he cannot improve upon himself and truth is never going to change. Truth is truth just because it is centered on God and his word. You will not be able to move something that's unshakable and unbreakable and unmovable and so you are on if you put your opinion above here you are on a collision course with God and God will not move because he cannot move because he cannot improve then all he's saying to you is he's flashing he's he's letting you know he's sending the signal you have to adjust course you're about to die You're about to be destroyed on Satan's rocks, on Satan's lies. Your family's going down the tubes. Do you not see this? Adjust your course. And we want to send back and say, who are you, God? I'm a battleship. And God says, yeah, I'm a little bigger. The question is, are you willing to place yourself under God's authority? Which ultimately is Scripture. And the cool thing is, when we surrender to God's authority, you know what Jesus did with his disciples before he left? He says, All authority that's been given to me, I'm giving to you. But you don't get his authority unless you surrender to his first. So will you get into this? Will you dig in to life-giving truth? It's both your defense and your attack. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that sometimes it's hard to face this reality that we sometimes place ourselves above you and Scripture. And sometimes we don't realize that not reading Scripture, not digging into your Word is actually the same as just saying, we don't believe it applies, we don't want it in our life, the authority's not there, because we're not, we're not serious enough sometimes, God. And you know, I've wrestled with this. To just do sometimes what is, as our speaker at youth camp said this last week, the mundane. It's not going to be probably the most exciting thing we do all week. It's God, it it may not be as entertaining as the, the latest TikTok video. Lord, we recognize that. I I understand that. We understand that. But God, it's going to be way, way more foundational, truthful. It'll give us defense and attack against the wiles of the enemy. And so we need to dig into your word more than we do into everything else. So that we can do battle against the devil. And against this world that tries to drag our faith through the mud. So I pray for every person in here that they would make a new commitment today to spend more time, whatever that is. Maybe they spend a little bit, now they're gonna spend more. Maybe they spend a lot, they're gonna spend even more. Maybe they don't spend any time, now they're gonna spend a little bit of time in your word and praying and seeking your face so that they have power to go against sin and Satan death in this life. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love, God. Truly nothing is impossible when we have you by our side and your authority over us. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus.